On this episode of Movies Ruined My Life, we're drinking wine and counting down our favorite Woody Allen flicks. So this is Paula. Hello. Uh, and I'm Brandon. Danny is supposed to be here, but uh, we're, we're hoping he shows up sometime soon. We're hoping he's all right and on his way. Uh, Devin is off screen, but probably not going to participate all that much. <laughs> and Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Now, Paula, you really were adamant that we had to do a panel for Woody off the jump. I was a little apprehensive about it. Uh, I'm really happy now, though, that I got to revisit some of his film catalog, some of the stuff that I absolutely adore of his. Um, and we're, we're going to have a little fun with it in the, in the next few segments. Uh, but <clears throat> we talked a little off air about why you relate to this cat so much, and I'm curious. Why? Um, well, I've always thought if there was a director that was going to direct my life story or at least write it, I'd want Woody Allen to to do it. I've just always found myself relating to a lot of his characters. I'm not going to say exactly which characters, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I just, I see the way my brain works in a lot of his movies and they're so fun to watch. Right on. For me, it's, he's, he's a guy that, um, he uses movies as a, as an outlet for some of his, uh, interior monologues you know some of his neuroses Mm -hmm. comes out on the on the screen and this microphone is bothering me and (laughs) (laughs) and one thing that i I absolutely adore is that uh he much in the same way as guys that we've already kind of talked about like sam raimi um like the cohen's to some extent um he very much uses film in this experimental form where he himself is in the audience with you almost mm-hmm. he's he's part of the audience he's sharing in everything with you so he'll break the fourth wall he'll um uh maybe take a a juxtaposition to an opinion that he has just to get you thinking it's really interesting i i very much enjoy uh the the moments with woody and why mm-hmm. i'm a fan of a lot of his older catalog particularly the Keaton and Mia Farrow years. I know that you've mentioned a lot of the the newer stuff mm-hmm. falls higher on your you know on your list of favorites. But for me, I think there's something about him being on screen and literally being the ones delivering these lines. It's it's there's no disconnect between the typewriter, his old rickety old typewriter mm-hmm. and uh and, and you. He still writes on. Yeah, that he still writes on. Very cool. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so what we're going to do with this episode, well, we're going to have a little fun in the last segment and uh, and basically uh, nominate our choice film uh, to be saved in the event that all other Wood- wow all other Woody <laughs> Allen films <laughs> were to be destroyed. Um, so let's say just for example, you know, something like in Footloose happens <laughs> and they're just burning books, uh, in this case, burning films, and they're going to burn every Woody Allen film. But for some reason they allow you, they permit you to keep one for rewatching, uh, which one is it? And we're going to, we're going to argue that out. And it's interesting because we both, uh, we didn't have to fight over our selections. We both no. legitimately have different picks, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, they're very different. 
Yeah. Uh, so before we get to that, though, and I'm not a big fan of rankings, but I do like the idea of a, of a top 10 for this guy. Um, we're going to go through uh, our top 10 Woody Allen films, talk about why we like them uh, and so forth, which you're going to kick us off in a second. Uh, but I just, before we get into that, I just want to talk about this Woody Allen as the person, or at least the persona, the persona that we know. Um, obviously, I want to kind of steer clear of all the, the taboo stuff, to be honest. What goes on behind closed doors... I don't want to get into, this is a movie show, mm-hmm. we talk about movies, we don't talk about other stuff mm-hmm. here. Uh, that being said, obviously everyone knows that he plays the clarinet, and that's fucking weird. No, no, what? <laughs> no, no I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, like everyone knows about the whole, the situation, both with with his current wife, formerly mm-hmm. Mir- Mia Farrow's uh, adopted daughter, um, the situation that went on in the '90s and has kind of been has come up more recently again now with, um, with what Dylan, his other daughter, yeah, yeah, or with Mia again, adopted daughter, and also uh, most recently I think Ronan possibly being the the child of Frank Sinatra instead of him. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so it, there's. <sighs> It's interesting how much of his life he has played out um, in the public, mm-hmm. and 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 yet uh, somehow the the lore of Woody, or at least his his persona on screen, is somehow carried through. And it is so interesting to go from from uh, Alan Konigsberg to uh, to the Woody Allen that we know today, and you know typing on. That old typewriter and sending jokes in the newspapers and then um, stand up, which uh, I've heard he's hate- he hated. He it, hated doing yeah. it. He was terrified. Apparently he suffered. He like threw up beforehand. He he just looks back now still apparently and still remembers how stressed out he was. But he was great. Yeah. And oh, totally. Yeah, he just pulled it off. And yeah, apparently there were shows I was watching um, – the documentary about him where they talk about how there were shows where he would pretend to hang himself with this microphone cord and, yeah, and people, people thought yeah out. they yeah, thought I that he would actually that. do it because yeah. <laughs> he just looks so uncomfortable but <laughs> he's so funny that yeah it kind of played through right yeah and and now that you mentioned i have seen that and seeing his his managers and later on his producers talk about how um some nights he would go up and it would he'd just bomb which mm-hmm. is the way of any comedian's life, any band like for us or and anyone that you have your bad days. Mm-hmm. But it is so interesting that they also said there was those moments that that is Woody. That's the Woody Allen that we know today. And it, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you want to get you want to get rolling? You want to get into this list? Um, yeah, let's get into the list. Because this might take a little bit. I know, it's quite a big list. I mean, we went from, originally you said we were going to do top three, and then we kind of talked about top five, and then went for ten, and then, you know, you have to save one from being burned. And yeah. It's, it was a really difficult, painful uh, choice, choosing process, but I, yeah. think, I think we got a good list. Okay, so you're going to go first, then we'll take a little break, come back, and, okay. and I'll dib, uh, divvy out my list, which will probably be fairly different. I don't know. Um, so what do you have at number 10? 
Okay, so at number 10, I have Melinda and Melinda. Oh, really? Yeah, not because, I mean, there's so many movies and it's still within the top 10, but not so much because of the actual movie or the content of the movie, not that it wasn't good. It was a typical Woody Allen character. I just love the way that it was done as a split yep. and it told two stories at once. And that was really fun to watch. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, it basically took some of the same characters he always uses in his newer movies and, mm. and presented them in a different way. So I think that deserves to be at least top 10. Right on. Your what top you, 10? Oh, are we, are we going to go in tandem or do you want to oh. just, let's roll through your entire list. Oh God. Um, because what if we, what if we double up? I don't think that's going to happen. No? Okay, <laughs> no, so let's do From some of the it. conversations we just had, I don't think that's going to happen. All right, then then let's, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go next then. Okay. My number 10 is Zelig. Why? Is that on your list at all? No, it's not on my list at all. I, I love this film. I think that it's, I like the mockumentary format and there's something special about the way that, that Woody does it. He, he obviously plays the, the main character, Leonard Zelik, and he, um, basically is the most, he, he adapts to be whatever everyone else around him is. So, you know, there's that scene with him and the psychiatrist and he turns into the psychiatrist along with him. And, you know, the, mm -hmm. what if, what if I tell you you're not a psychiatrist? Why would you do that? And, uh, and with the, the African-American guys, he changes with the fat guys, he changes all the stuff. I, I love the, the social commentary of, of that. And I love that it being, that it's in this mockumentary format because I, I, we all do do that. We all kind of adapt to social situations and this is a physical manifestation of it, I realize, but it's, it's more important to me what's, uh, what the undertone of it is. And, and this, this one comes to the end or near the end of kind of, uh, my favorite era of his probably. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a good one. It actually has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Zelig. Yeah. Pretty, pretty solid film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Number 10, number 10 for me. Number 10. What do you have at nine? <laughs> um, okay. So for number nine, I have uh, small time crooks, but oh yeah, and that's a that's a newer one, right? Yeah, you know, you know my my trend. Yeah. <laughs> now I wanted to ask you, by the way, because okay, so around uh, around this film, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, um, this is where around the period around 2000, where he switched from uh, uh, editing, uh, or rather, switched to editing digitally. And I also noticed right around this time, through to today, for the most part, um, a very big change uh, in his coloring in films. Yeah. Very considerably more reds, uh, a lot warmer. Yeah, a lot warmer. Yeah, and and I wondered what your take on that as a photographer is because it it's so interesting that uh, you look at obviously the early stages of his career, very much black and white, um, and and when. He did do color stuff, very stark, cold, lots of blues, lots of greens. And then this shift happened around 2000 that just uh, – and even I've heard interviews with him where he talks about, I like warm colors. Mm -hmm. I wonder what happened to, to make that shift because it is a very obvious visual oh, yeah. change. Like when you watch an old – older movie from say pre-2000 to something mm -hmm. in the current era of Woody Allen you really do notice They're that difference cold as opposed to the newer movies that yeah. are very warm and 
like they have like a golden sunlight feel. Everything's like magic hour. Everything's got that feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it probably just has to do with him getting more into the digital editing and mm-hmm. just being able to make things look the way he wanted. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've, I mean, you uh, could have always done just like filters, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't believe that it, it, it was uh, was to do with with the technology though i really don't because say for example like a a lot of it is lighting and a lot of it uh, because you still have to be able to extract those colors obviously right Mm -hmm. um and i maybe it just wasn't as big of a thing like one thing that i do notice that is a trend with with woody allen especially when you're hearing actors and uh crew members talk about the films he's not uh the kind of guy that over directs yeah he very much um lets you kind of be mm-hmm. you know you can change the lines if you want it's more important that the energy is there mm-hmm. and maybe that was applicable in the earlier stages of the editing process to to his work and just that if the if the feeling is there if the emotion is there then it, it, it's rather irrelevant if if say for example the coloring is exactly where i want it as long as i'm getting the response that i feel mm-hmm. should be in the film I I don't know, but it it is interesting that there's just it's like a a switch flipped. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah, so weird. I like that switch. <laughs> All right, so uh, my number nine is play it again, Sam. Really? Yeah. So we're we're on completely. I know. <laughs> yeah. Different Yeah. Okay, so uh, the reason I have this at number nine is because I totally have a man crush on Humphrey Bogart. First of all, <laughs> and I would love to be that guy getting advice from from Humphrey Bogart mm-hmm. I think that's it's such a cool idea um and totally something original and out of the mind of of Woody Allen mm-hmm. uh, I remember to this day like my favorite episode of Tales from the Crypt for example is the episode <laughs> that they they have um uh, essentially like a Bogart lookalike mm-hmm. and that's the main character of the of the one of the um ac- one of the sections of the show um, and there's just something magical about Bogart, and I think that it uh, it's a really interesting <laughs> um, thing to put into the modern era. And and when you hear him like tell you know tell her this or tell her mm-hmm. that, and then he's trying to change it into <laughs> you know modern vernacular, mm-hmm. and it's like I can't believe that worked, and all of these things. Yeah. It's it's so great. I also love that the name of the movie is essentially one of the the greatest fallacies in film, in that he. He doesn't say "play it against Sam." He never says "play it against Sam" in Casablanca. But uh, in any case, what's your number eight? I had to renumber, so yep. let me just go through. Okay, yes, my number eight was Match Point. That is also my number eight. Oh, weird. Yeah, our first uh, Match we... Point. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned uh, when we were speaking before, uh, like earlier off recording mm-hmm. off podcast that off podcast. <laughs> off podcast that it kind of reminds me of crimes and misdemeanors and the whole idea that the mistress is being killed and you know that guilt and such but yeah. there's something about this movie just the fact that they're these uh, like aristocratic sorry aristocratic rich people that you know they're so they're supposed to be so proper but there's this very dark dark side to his life absolutely right that's just i i really like watching that and it's funny because when you watch that movie you you feel bad for everyone involved mm-hmm. and then you know near the end like for for a bit there when he actually goes to kill her mm-hmm. and well, i don't know why I, i've got like a brain block i 
Scarlett Johansson. Scar- thank you. Oh, I'm like Johansson. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson at the beginning. Black you Widow. Like her. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone nowadays knows everyone <laughs> by their comic book movie characters yeah but yeah so she (laughs) you you feel that you're kind of with on her side at the beginning a bit and then you hate her too because Mm. she starts getting in his face and then you kind of feel that frustration yeah right and you want to get rid of her too and then afterwards you hate him at the end for actually getting rid of her so Mm. i find the whole movie is kind of an emotional ride okay i actually (laughs) i struggle with with this one having it at eight because I feel like something else should be there because I'm not a fan, even though um, I've seen and enjoyed a lot of the films that he's in. I am not a fan at all of Jonathan Rice Myers. Okay. I don't like him. I don't. I understand his style of acting, but mm-hmm. I don't subscribe to it. It actually really bothers me. Um, but that just re- reaffirms when I was making this list. It reaffirmed for me this film is that good. Because it has to be on this list, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the the scene in the wheat field. Yeah, which I heard yeah. uh, same documentary. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, has uh, an allergy to wheat, wheat allergy. so yeah, yeah, probably Woody having a little fun at her expense mm-hmm. on that one. Um, yeah, the, the, there's it's a really sexy movie. Yeah, it's, it's a amazing. really sexy movie. He can't help himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he just can't. Right. And then he, he so can't help himself that he ends up having to kill her. Like, mm-hmm. because she's, you know, she gets pregnant and she's going to tell his wife and he wants this perfect life. But I mean, at no point is there a reason why he can't really just, you know, change his life and just go with her. But she's like the, she's supposed to remain the kind of unattainable thing that he wants. But but he's not supposed to actually, you know, he has to be that person that he was raised to be the whole mm-hmm. time. So. Which is so interesting. Like you mentioned that it reminds you of crimes and misdemeanors. Like to me, it feels more like um, something like uh, from here to eternity or something like that, you know, just, but actually the opposite where Montgomery Clifton, that obviously wants to be uh, with um, Elizabeth Taylor. There we go. <laughs> yeah. wants to be. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be with Elizabeth Taylor, and so mm. he, he actually gets rid of his um, wife. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is of of lesser, you know, seen as of being on a you know of the lower echelon of people, if you mm-hmm. will. So that's kind of the inverse of that, but uh, very similar how it how it plays out. Kind of interesting. Well, it comes to a different conclusion, but I feel as though I maybe again, maybe I like Match Point because I do like from here to eternity so much it's hard to tell maybe yeah and so it's elizabeth taylor's fault that (laughs) my attraction to her yeah yeah, it's perpetuating my like my liking of this film but yeah great film um number eight what's number number seven Mm -hmm. what's your number seven i'm almost curious now like are we gonna have any more you know well, let's see. Trying to peek over. Um, my number seven is. I can't read your writing, by the way, so there's no <laughs> cheating for me. Yeah. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Oh, okay. Yes. I I love that movie. I thought mm. it was really cool how it goes back in time and it's in Paris. And there's, you know, again, there's the, the cold fiance, right? Like, so there's the relationship that he's in and it's just like a cold kind of dead relationship. And there's this hopeless romantic that goes out for walks at night. And he kind of finds that yeah. world that caters to that part of him, right? Yeah. Again, it's like that personal outside world that exists outside of your normal life. Um, but 
I wouldn't put it higher than number seven because even though it was really good, I I just don't think it's you know it's not my number one or number two. It's it's an, it's a solid number seven, I think. Okay, well we disagree on that, but we'll get to that <laughs> further on uh, in, into my list. Yeah. Um, it yeah, it's it's a really unique film. Uh, I I completely agree. I echo your sentiments with regards to the the element of of uh, the idea of this uh, kind of. Uh, restless spirit and and going out into the night to kind of seek going solace yeah it sounds sounds <laughs> sounds dirty but whatever um yeah there's something pretty and, and there's something magical about it that i love in storytelling in general it's it it takes you to another place it, it's and it's so interesting because this owen wilson's character of course he gets to you know kind of be our guide through a film where everyone else thinks that he is crazy. Exactly. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, he meets his heroes, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that everyone wants. Like if you oh, could you know, go for a walk and if I have could just go heroes, back, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I right? would hang out with Hemingway. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but there's a very interesting point in that movie when they're in. I think they're in the 20s. Yeah, and he's talking to. And she feels yeah. the same way. And she's yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, they're in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they, says, they go yeah. back again. Mm-hmm. They use the same conduit to go back yes, one more exactly. time. And she's like, "Oh, you know, these are the good old days." And he's like, "What are you talking about? You know, yeah, your, your days are the, was, yeah. Yeah, you're the best." So I think every generation has that. Yeah. And, you know, we don't really appreciate what we've got until later on. Although right now, I don't know, things are a little dry. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is a weird era, too. And I, I think that maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's why I have it a little bit higher on my list is because I, I very much feel what Gil's going through mm-hmm. in that film and that he, uh, what is, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard's character's name again? What the hell is it? Hey, Devin, can you help me out here? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't matter in yeah. any case. Um, she embodies everything of this era, this lost era that, that he loves. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously F. Scott Fitzgerald and, mm-hmm. and Hemingway and all these amazing thinkers and, Mm-hmm. there's something it, it very much it's inherent in our society that that you you say are the good old days yeah you know exactly so, in any case my number we're at seven right we are at seven yes. yeah so my number seven is manhattan oh my gosh okay. yeah okay so my number seven is manhattan uh for a couple of reasons one, because I think that the whole film takes place through rose-covered glasses, rose-colored glasses, mm-hmm. rather. Um, I think that it, much in the way that, say, for example, a lot of other filmmakers that have come out of New York or any given city, they have a very specific look at their um, hometown, and it, it does come out differently. I I needed to have this on my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um Again, Gordon Willis, cinematographer, amazing work. I love that it's in black and white. I can't put it higher, though, because I just feel that emotionally, the story can't get me to where I want to go in the same way as other films that have touched on the subject matter of the film. Like, aesthetically, oh, it's breathtaking. Like, the the scene where you can just see the lights on the train... Mm-hmm. rolling by on the track outside the ballpark 
Like, that's amazing. And the Gershwin music is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Everything about the film is just aesthetically gorgeous. And I know that, like, say, for example, they brought out that bench for the last scene because there's not a bench there. Everyone yeah. knows that story is on every fucking website <laughs> that talks about that movie. The sunrise. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's and that's beautiful. And, and Keaton is amazing in it. Um, I just, for example, like, you know, when you were here for the Kubrick episode, I nominated Lolita as the mm -hmm. first film to that, that people should see out of Kubrick's catalog. Mm -hmm. And I just feel that that film tackles the subject matter of um love and the hardships of love that uh that uh you know uh, that exists between or that that may be taboo but just happen you know almost serendipitously or something like that i don't i think it just does a better job i just think that there's better movies that cover a lot of the subject matter in the mm -hmm. in that film but it's a great film. So you mean in parallel to the relationship that he has with like the 16, 17 year old girl? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. again, like the ending again just seemed to like a cop out to me. Mm -hmm, a little bit. Where she <laughs> wanted him and then it, he comes to her and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're telling, why couldn't you tell me this a few days earlier and this mm -hmm. whole nonsense and just, you know, I'll be back. And, okay. So you're ending everything on kind of a happy note. Mm -hmm. And I just, as much as I enjoy it, there's just something there that seems like they're patting he's patting the the audience on the head and 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 you know saying it's going to be okay and and that's not very woody allen to me but i see what you're saying but i almost see it as like he just falls back in you know he just settles back into his usual self yeah he has this you know great experience with Diane Keaton he has the relationship with her um, they, he, you know, goes out, does these new things, breaks up with the younger girl. And then at the end, when he's lost all that other stuff that, you know, all these new experiences that he's had, he's sitting there recording what he is grateful for or happy about. Mm -hmm. And he remembers, you know, the smile on, on her face and he goes and sees her. So I think it's more of just, instead of a, like a cop out, I think it has to do more with him. Just, he doesn't change, you know, he's still himself. He's always yeah. going to be himself. So it's almost like he's kind of hopeless. <laughs> it has that feel to it. Like he's hopeless, you know? He's just going to go back to that 17-year-old girl because that's who he is, right? I understand that. And I understand like that their relationship in its at, at its jump-off point is very much uh, one of convenience for both of them. Mm -hmm. That they are taking something from the other. And then they realize that the sharing with that other person is the more important element of their relationship and what they're getting out of it. I understand all of this. I think it's a very powerful and moving film, not just visually, but also um, story-wise. I just think that, again, I can't, I can't put it higher, not because I don't love the film, <laughs> but just because I feel as though there's other films that did a lot of the elements I like, the humor, some of the side stories, so forth, did it better. But... Mm -hmm some of the most beautiful black and white cinematography you'll ever see. Absolutely. But in any case, okay. uh, do you want to, let's go, let's do one more each, take okay. a little break and yep. then we'll finish off the list. Okay. What do you have at number six? Okay. So at number six, I have Annie Hall. Mm -hmm. And that is because it's an amazing movie, but it's, I, I appreciate it as a really great Woody Allen movie. I can watch it. You know, it's, it's a great ride, I guess you could say, I mean, emotionally, but there's, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of sad. Mm. And I find that movie to 
leave me a little heartbroken. Yeah. So that's why I, I've got to put it in my top 10, but it's not one that I would watch repeatedly like some of my other ones, for example. It's not, uh, say, like a Midnight in Paris where you could pop it in every once in a while and watch it, you know, mm-hmm. while you're doing other things if you wanted to have something in the background. Like I wouldn't watch any haul unless I was in a very particular mood. So, but it's mm. a great movie. Again, I have this a little bit higher, but I uh, I actually echo your sentiments, even though I have it a bit higher. And we're going to get to that in a minute, or we won't. We'll get to maybe, maybe we'll get to it in a minute. Um, But I I just, I think for me, I feel like it should be higher than six. I feel like it should because not even just from from the standpoint of its uh, significance in society, but just that. It it is a film that say for example, um, some something like uh, from Harry or sorry when Harry met Sally, mm-hmm. where it kind of touches on similar again this getting back together you know relationship falling apart and so on over the years and uh, this kind of thing. That film is clearly just is a great film. It's a fun film, but it's just a film. Mm-hmm. It's just a movie. And I think that there's something that is transcendental about. Annie Hall, like that first moment that you see Diane Keaton on screen, mm-hmm. it's just, and again, this is both the first Woody Allen film that I ever saw, and also the um, the first Diane Keaton film, I'm pretty certain. I may be wrong about that, probably <laughs> saw her, but didn't, you know, didn't put it in context, um, especially a young Diane Keaton, and, and there's something just really, really, really special about her. I, I also like the idea of... Uh, how how they let the chronology play out? I I I, I just think it's a cool film, you know. Absolutely, but we'll, we'll it's okay. Here's I, I forgive you. a little you. bit, but you're in that relationship with them, you know. You're yeah, yeah. No, I I, I totally understand where you're coming <laughs> from. I just I I can't I can't I got to put it higher. Okay, I got to put okay. it higher than that. Okay, but Absolutely. okay. So at my number six is uh. Uh, Hannah and her sisters. Oh, really? Yeah, 1986. Great cast, great mm-hmm. film, and some of the most interesting, uh, almost appearing haphazard uh, uh, camera work, but mm-hmm. secretly just genius. Mm-hmm. Um, there's shots where literally it, you're looking at a fucking door frame. Yep. And, and, and people are wa- like the doctor walking back and forth and talking. And uh, later on, uh, uh, there's a steady cam shot where they're following. Uh, Mia's in there. That's Mia. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that's who it is. It's Mia Farrow. And then she turns and walks away and you're just looking at her fucking back. You're looking at every character's back for mm-hmm. like 10 seconds, which is really great. It's like you're there. Yeah. We talked off air a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, Diane Weist, her character in the film and just... Um, I I don't know. She's my favorite. She's my favorite. Um, Michael Caine, uh, just that opening monologue right off the top, really great. Uh, and then the way he just kind of pursues things in almost a shady way, but he can't help himself. Much like what we talked about with, say, for mm-hmm. example, Match Point or something like that. This yep. seems to be a reoccurring theme in Woody Allen's. Uh, films where he just simply can't help himself and uh uh say for example encounters uh her at a bookstore mm-hmm. and, and all of these things so it's it, mm-hmm. awesome film gotta put it 
Uh, year I was born, and I have to put it at number six, not because of the year I was born, but just because it still looks brand new yep, today, uh, other than the smoking and the crazy, in restaurants and the crazy hairstyles. <laughs> That's still a shock. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so weird. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the, the camera shots, um, and that's one thing that... Well, one of the many, many things that I love about uh, his movies, especially mm-hmm. those uh, older movies, and he did carry that into some of the newer movies. You do see it where, like, that empty room. Mm-hmm. I call it, like, the empty room shot where yeah. you'll see an empty room and you hear voices off camera. Mm-hmm. And then people will walk into the room and then walk out of the room. And it's like you're just sitting in this chair in this room and this whole uh, scenario is happening, right? So yeah. it's it's happening regard Like, the camera doesn't follow everyone. And I find that to be really interesting. You're imagination kind of puts it together as if you were you're not supposed to be listening and you're just kind of you know yeah eavesdropping on, on the storyline what's the what's the one with um uh josh brolin and uh and naomi watts and they're married they're a married couple and he's struggling uh to finish up his book is that uh you'll meet a tall dark stranger isn't he always struggling to yeah. finish up a book in or, every movie yeah, <laughs> he's always is, a writer <laughs> or is that in either case, um, there's a lot of those shots mm-hmm. in that film. Uh, I, you're absolutely right. But uh, there's just something special about it. We'll get into it more, but there's something special about Mia Farrow. Um, and and uh, it, it, in a film directed by Woody Allen, um, whatever you want to say about their personal relationship mm-hmm. afterwards... Um, withstanding but the the other the other thing is the female character is something that for most male directors seems to almost be something that that stylistically changes them and and no matter what i love so much about this film is that no matter who is the focal point of a of a scene whether it's uh you know woody allen freaking out because he thinks he has cancer you know he's just this insane hypochondriac (laughs) or whether it's uh you know again um, uh, Diane Weiss with her catering business and mm. fucking trying to get Sam Watterson's attention from uh, away from Carrie Fisher, these kinds of things. There's, it, it's always very much, you know, you're watching a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. And I respect that because I feel as though, especially in that era, there still was in the 80s this almost underlying uh, unspoken sexism. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of male directors. And I feel as though a lot of the female characters in his films, I find myself way more attached to yeah, than the male characters. Absolutely. And that might be why so many people scoff at his movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but a lot, well, it's very out there that a lot of people are like, oh, Woody Allen, hate him. It's like, why? I don't know. It's that whole, you know, just society sees him as he makes, he normalizes things that are normal, mm-hmm. but, you know, and he shows them to you in movies um, in his films, and just it makes people uncomfortable because of just their own personal beliefs that these things are wrong. Like, you know, you don't do this or yeah. you don't do that. And it's like, well, no, he's making it very clear and he's kind of showing you from the eyes of the person that's living these things. And yeah. I think it makes people uncomfortable because they can relate. So they just don't, they don't like it, right? That makes sense. And I, as far as film nerds scoffing at him i think some of that is is also the fact that he plays out a lot of his scenes in master shots much in the way that they scoff mod like modern day at say someone like kevin smith for example okay. who we just did an episode on uh and i think i i might have went off in a little tangent or two defending him and i would do the same in terms of uh, filmmaking skill for 
uh, for Woody Allen because there again, like uh, while there's something to say, for example, um, being able to drive emotion uh, with camera work or with music or any of these things, isn't it all the more powerful if you can literally play out a scene from a master shot and mm-hmm. and get the same emotional response from it? Exactly. Because uh, yeah. there's something there in the acting. It's very much something pure, like uh, his in his essence as a writer taking from the stage you know taking mm-hmm. from a, a, a live performance element mm-hmm. uh, and and there's that's that's something kind of pure and 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 beautiful about a lot of his his work mm-hmm. and it bothers me that a lot of at least film snobs not that they're the only people scoffing at his work but they do very much see him sometimes as lazy yeah, or pretentious on the flip side uh, and i think that they're just upset that maybe perhaps it's just coming to him much easier mm-hmm. than everyone else. I think it's just the way he pulls his cast together. He just casts perfect people in the perfect roles yeah. and play the roles that he wants. So the acting's impeccable. Mm. There are a few examples, though, where he's just completely viciously <laughs> given someone in, the axe. Yeah. Most notably, probably, although correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Michael Keaton was originally cast in the Jeff Daniels role in Purple Rose of Cairo, right? Which is kind of one of my honorable mentions. It didn't mm-hmm. make my list, but I do really love that film. It's, in all seriousness, probably the film that I kind of fell in love with Mia Farrow as a, as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Not my fav, not my favorite of hers, mm-hmm. but there's something you you can't help but just again relate to her. No one else. I don't care about anyone else in that film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jeff Daniels from what I've seen is so much better than than Keaton and has the right energy. Now I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, right? Batman 89. <laughs> but uh and and same with uh, you know a lot of his stuff like he's just and obviously he's making a resurgence now and Jeff Daniels also another guy who's just had a, a string of great movies as mm-hmm. of late, you know, The Martian and and uh not Dumb and Dumber too, but uh in any case, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. But yeah, it's it's um. I understand the recasting in that situation, but mm-hmm. uh, he he does have a a very he's he 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 won't uh, he's he's unapologetic with with you know taking the axe to people if he mm-hmm. needs to get the performance. He doesn't want to tell someone, and I completely understand that too. Yeah. Like I don't want to tell someone that they're shitty at doing their job. Just do a better job. Oh, you mm-hmm. can't. All right, here's someone new. Yeah, exactly. It's not that I don't like you as a person. We can go out for beers after this or yeah. whatever. But if you're not good, you're not good. Bye. I think too, with when it comes to acting, uh, if you coach someone to be something that they're not, if it doesn't come naturally, it just doesn't come through as honest, mm-hmm. and that actually will affect the finished product. Absolutely. Um, do you want to take a little break? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a little break. We'll come back and knock down our top five. Respectively, I'm sure That's there's probably going to be nothing else in common the rest of the <laughs> way. So it should be interesting. Well, you've already hit some of mine. So. Yeah, and you've hit some of mine, so should be interesting. Yeah. All right. However you're taking part in this episode, please don't forget to leave comments, share, reach out to us so we can keep the conversation going. Okay, so we're back and uh, we're, we finished our wine bottle. We're drinking wine and uh, talking about Woody Allen. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we have to get through the rest of our list here. <laughs> All right. 
So number five, Paula, what's your number five film? Okay, so my number five is, and yes, there is a theme with the whole newer Woody Allen, but it's Magic in the Moonlight. I really? know. Yeah, I know. You're gonna have to explain this one to me. Yeah, I know. I was. I felt the. Yeah. Okay. So, I think this movie is amazing. I just I, want to point out to you before you go into this. Look at the I'm, <laughs> or the Rotten Tomato score on this. Okay, so 52. percent That's fine. <laughs> but I really like that movie. Okay. And it's not just because I love the cast. I mean, I I do. I love the cast. Sorry, I was a little biased, but I just love the whole concept of um, he goes in. Uh, well, Colin Firth. Uh, Firth's, character goes in to uncover you know to kind of show that people will be willing to believe anything just because they want to have a little faith in something right absolutely so he goes yeah. into unmask this uh this median slash like what is she she's uh like a psychic right mm-hmm. and he kind of tears her apart and it was so fun because as you know uh with woody allen being an atheist and me being kind of a raging atheist and not very quiet about it and very outspoken about it. It was a really fun movie because it was, it was a very fun kind of classy way to show something that I think all the time. And that is that he even, you know, he says in the movie, like he feels sorry for people who are delusional enough to want to believe those things. Right. <laughs> and it's just, it's bad, but I can relate with that. And yeah, like, Oh, I'll, it's such yeah, a totally. nice way to say it. Cause you know, I feel like such a jerk, but I, I understand the sentiment. Yeah, it's um, it's a funny movie at times. I'll give you that. You don't like uh, it. it <laughs> certainly wouldn't be in my top twenty, top ten. I uh, the wine is starting to get a little bit. Uh, <laughs> the um, like there's films that I don't even have on this list that I would rate higher than that. Like Radio oh, no. Days is higher than this than that film for me mm-hmm. uh obviously crimes and misdemeanors which is not on my list so i'm kind of giving something away i would uh put that higher uh, really yeah purple rose of cairo oh. i'd put higher stardust memories i'd definitely put higher really uh yeah like there's there's a lot that uh, uh, it's a brave choice i'll give you that i, <laughs> I you know, liked it i yeah. actually really liked we're it. we're gonna give I out didn't... your twitter at yeah. the end of the show <laughs> and uh we'll let the internet decide I didn't. I didn't look at the Rotten Tomatoes. I just watched it. And no, I didn't it. either. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it seems as though people seem to agree with me here. It's right in the That's middle. Okay, it doesn't mean they're right. Yeah. Okay. I concur. <laughs> I concur. We very rarely agree on the show with, with with critics and whatnot. So, all right. My number five is Sleeper. Okay. Yeah. I. This one. Again, continuing the theme of you're taking all the new ones. I'm taking all the old ones. I um. I love this film. Just the idea of this health store owner that's just completely uh, adamant about all of uh, these. Just he's almost the same kind of neuroses that you see in a lot of Woody Allen characters, especially with the the hypochondria and the fear of death and these sorts of things. But in this film, it's kind of manifested in in his you know obsession with health foods and things like that. And so he's frozen. He wakes up in the future and. where he finds out that everything that he believed, of course, is wrong, and like they're eating sugar and doing all these ter- <laughs> chocolate and eating all these terrible things is great. Um, some of the best physical comedy, I think, that it, it exists in his entire catalog. And, and so, for example, you just made a bold statement of putting magic in the moonlight at number what are we at number five? <laughs> That's a bold statement to say that some of the best physical comedy in his entire repertoire <laughs> is in this film. But I believe it to be so. 
Um, just <laughs> yeah. You're just gonna keep like yeah. digging at that, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's, I mean that's gonna come back to haunt you a week from yeah, now. I'm gonna okay. send you a message like magic in the moonlight. Really? <laughs> yeah. It... <laughs> this is another one of my favorite of Diane Keaton's. I love the the behind the scenes footage of her just uh, they're trying to replicate his uh, the early stages of his life mm-hmm. and uh, and her delivering these lines and they're all just cracking up. They can't. Uh, keep it together mm-hmm. and that whole scene when you see it in the film that plays very deadpan and you're laughing at woody and then to see behind the scenes that everyone's actually reacting to diane keaton is so interesting mm-hmm. um yeah just a really interesting film cool music i really like the music in this film um and it's it just it, it feels good it, like you leave or you i guess i never saw this in the theaters i'm too young but uh, you you finish that film and you feel almost refreshed. And it, it, again, it's it, it's always fun for me. I like thinking about the future mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you know, Devin has brought that up in past episodes, like Blade Runner and stuff like that. We we've done episodes on Terminator and a lot of dystopian future kind of concepts. And and it is interesting to see Woody Allen's take on that. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's it's so much fun. It is a great movie. Great movie. I can't disagree with you at all. Okay, Unlike number four. You disagreeing with mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost afraid to continue. <laughs> no, please, please. Okay, you're so you're in a safe place. Sure, for now. But okay, so my number four mm-hmm. is uh, to roam with love. Oh God, <laughs> I can see the look on your face. I know. Okay, listen, I I really love that movie. Uh, the whole and it's funny because there's different storylines, right? Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. all equally. Many, there's like three or four vignettes in this film. Um, the the because the, there's young like Al, young yeah. Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin's, and then there's a uh, the couple and the dad that's the opera singer, mm-hmm. and and then she's in, yeah. So there's about three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my favorite, I mean, it really makes oh the guy who is uh, famous for no reason who yeah. just leaves his house and he's famous and everyone just wants his autograph and what do you mean for breakfast you know that's amazing but um, my favorite uh, storyline from that whole film is uh, the singer the opera singer the guy who can only sing in the shower yes. right and Woody oh, Allen is just so, so obsessed with him and he just you know I know a guy in the recording industry and you know you've got to sing for him and the mm. son is like nope leave him alone leave him alone he said he's not interested and he takes him you know he twists his arm basically takes on to audition for this guy and he's terrible turns out he can only sing in the shower yeah and uh, then you know, they have to bring yeah. the shower out on stage <laughs> so yeah, like so i mean i don't know I, you know how much i love opera right so mm-hmm. to watch this happen i mean oh, there's yeah, this like right. opera. yeah you've dragged me to the <laughs> yeah, opera yeah times. exactly yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so there's this opera playing out and then you know the all the drama is playing out everyone's dancing around this chorus is singing and then they you know, they wheel out this shower and this guy's washing himself and he's got this magnificent voice and he's just amazing. <laughs> then afterwards, they're reading the reviews and, and they call Woody Allen's character an imbecile. You know, so this imbecile <laughs> brought this guy out, you know, who whoever put this together is an imbecile. And he's like, oh, what does that mean? Imbecile. He's like, did you hear what that? What does that mean? And they're like, oh, it just means that you're ahead of your time, right? <laughs> it's, but it's it's hilarious. And it's so true. It kind of plays on the whole Everyone thinks they're a good singer in the shower, mm. and you know it's it's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, I forgot all about the whole <laughs> uh, 
just famous for no reason with yeah. uh, Roberto Benigni. Mr. Right? Vies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. his name? Pisanilo or Pisa- <laughs> yeah, and or Pisalo. I yeah. can't remember what his name I is like, in the movie, uh, but sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the couple that goes yeah. away to meet his family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy Ellen Page in this film. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's, she's pretty fantastic. good. But she plays the classic Woody Allen temptress, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, the friend's coming to stay, and it's like, oh, that's trouble, right? Yeah, right away, you... Alec Baldwin's kind of like, nope, nope. Yeah. 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 He, she plays that. The whole the story she tells are all kind of like, yeah. you know, tantalizing, kind of gets the imagination going. Gets Jesse Eisenberg, like all, like young <laughs> Alec Baldwin, all exactly. hot and bothered. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, her, maybe uh, that's why I like her so maybe, much. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And she's she starts talking about how you know she had the one boyfriend and she breaks up with him and how she's uh, her like first uh, female on female experience and mm. she gets all detailed and he's just sitting there and he's like borderline sweating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's a great movie. See, it's a good number four. Okay. <laughs> Is it your four number yeah. four? That's where we are. Yeah, okay, so number my number four. four, much higher than your list, is Annie Hall. Okay. Okay, this is the first one I saw of his, um, and f- from the second, I, I I think it's probably the lobster scene. Like from that point, oh, yeah. you're just you're you're on board mm-hmm. because there. The other magical thing about the film is obviously that you see it comes through the the camaraderie and the 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 love between Diane Keaton and Woody Allen, and you see that mm-hmm. play out on screen. And it's um, I know this was a touchstone for that era and i didn't get to experience that but there is something magical about the film and and something that uh that's intangible and almost inexplicable there's some something some reason that i i like to go back to this so regularly and um it's probably one of the ones in all seriousness other than the ones that are above this on my list that i watch the most um and yeah, it's it's a fun film. There's it actually is really aesthetically uh pleasing and I love for me it's one of the first films before any of the Tarantino before any of the um you know PTA or even Kevin Smith stuff that I've come to love where I found dialogue like what I wanted or like what I heard among my friends, these yeah. kinds of these conversations that you're you're in a bookstore and you're talking about, you know, your fear of dying and mm-hmm. things like this. It just it, it it resonates and it's ageless and it's it's near perfect. Yeah. It's a near perfect film and probably um, the most responsible look at love that I can think of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my number four. That's probably why I don't like it as much as the other ones. It's it's almost too real, mm. right? It's you, Bums you out, kinda, yeah, because <laughs> like you relate to it so much, and you're just like, oh my gosh, these are the conversations in life, and I can see myself being there. I, I'm these people, and then you know you watch it play out, just like life plays out. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, the, you're right. There's nothing fantastical about this film. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Um, but then again (laughs) yeah some some of some of the times when 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 he goes a little too fantastical Mm -hmm. um it it does it 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 leaves you either wanting more or it leaves you kind of between the two worlds Mm because he always does try and balance them i think probably in that regard 
the best job he ever did of that is almost Midnight in Paris because mm-hmm. he is able to to uh, reconcile the fantastical side of the film with the realistic side of the film in such a um, an even way that you you as a viewer don't don't feel that there's any change. Yeah, you feel totally. that these scenes are more surreal, but mm-hmm. the um, interactions between the characters are all on the same level, and the emotional response is very mm-hmm. much still always a heightened one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I can understand, but there's still there's something both aesthetically super pleasing about the film, probably somewhat accidentally, and also the dialogue, the character development, everything's just on point for me. Funny that you mentioned the uh, the two movies. I was just thinking, if you look at something like, if you look at a film like Midnight in Paris, he's going back in time, he's talking to his uh, heroes, and all of these things are happening, but in a way... That's kind of what happens to us when we're watching films, when we're reading books, when Mm -hmm. we're listening to music. You know, we're taking, we have these like out of current time and space experiences where we are taken to a different place and then we come back. So it's almost like his more recent movies are sort of showing you, you know, that kind of fantasy side. So it's not necessarily that we actually go back in time, but you know, certain things just bring us back to a certain place in time or, you know what I mean? Like it has that feeling to it. But you don't feel that his older catalog did that. You don't feel it. Say, for example, I just brought up my number five was sleeper, right? Absolutely. And I think it does, but I just think now it's just more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's almost (laughs) just like, it's like, (laughs) It's more of a story uh, storyline now than it was before where it was more blatant. Now it's just kind of, you know, take this movie with you and sort of apply it to your life in a way where you realize that you do this, but mm-hmm. maybe not to the same extent. It's just like when you do this, you know, when you watch a film, you're kind of gone. And when you listen to music, you're kind of gone. And, yeah. you know, it's the same kind of feeling. I know. I, I know what saying? you mean. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think it did exist earlier. Like, uh, for example, I already said one of my favorites on my top ten. Played against Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stardust Memories kind of does the same thing where you're, you're literally everything's from the perspective of a, in a different way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Played against Sam, you're, you're drawing from. He is experiencing something that you also wish you could almost experience. Yeah. But say, for example, Stardust Memories, you, you are put into the or looking through the looking glass of a individual who is experiencing celebrity and is mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And for example, you know, I, I really like your older films and these sorts mm-hmm. of things, especially the funny <laughs> especially ones. Especially the funny ones. Yeah. <laughs> and these sorts of things. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I totally concur with what you're saying. I just mm-hmm. don't think that that's only prevalent in, in his, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning where it almost is like a, a wink to the audience or he mm-hmm. is in the audience with you and just being like, Hey, look at this. Hey, mm-hmm. that's pretty, <laughs> I like it. Um, Number four. Or no, we just did that. Number three. Four. Yep. Number one. Number three? Yep. Okay. Um. So my number three Okay. is uh, Hollywood Ending. I know. You can sip your wine. It's okay. <laughs> you Almost may need it. Almost choked there. <laughs> okay. So Hollywood Ending. The whole concept of a director having to direct a film blind. He just, he goes blind because he's working for his ex-wife's new husband. Mm. I find that amazing. I mean, that movie is just genius to me. She hires him because she thinks he's the right guy for the film. 
And he's conflicted because not he wants to be close to her, mm-hmm. but he's working for her husband. So it's like his body or his subconscious is fighting him. So he can't see. He has to do it blind. The cameraman has to help him. The cameraman has an assistant that has to translate everything for him. It's hilarious. I think it's amazing. Okay. You don't think so? such a good movie again like and here's the thing like I, I, i'm not i'm not i'm not passing judgment because for example like i already said i don't have stardust memories on my list i don't have bananas on my list i don't have like there's a handful of films that i don't have on my list that that should probably be up there to a lot of um woody allen fans and cinephiles all the same but uh wow that's really high for that film Really? I, but I I'm. It. I, it's it, yeah. It's amazing that that connects with you so much. That's. Fantastic. I just think it's hilarious. And he's a total hypochondriac. You know, typical Woody Allen. Yeah. He's you know he's in there. He's taking a couple Xanax and he's like mm-hmm. you know upper downer, upper downer, upper downer, and just the whole thing. He's just such a neurotic. And she left him because he was a neurotic. And it, just the whole relationship between yeah. them, right? It's, I do love. It's incredibly it's a strong fun. female character or another mm-hmm. trait of his. Yeah, there's a lot of staples of his of his body of work in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're bringing me around. You're bringing me around. (laughs) Hey, they're my top 10. Yeah, no, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to agree. (laughs) So what's your uh, number three? Uh, My number three is Midnight in Paris. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So um, I I have this way higher than you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which is surprising because you're you're the the new new school fan, right? I know. Yeah. Um, There's a handful of things that I absolutely adore about this film. I I think... uh, off the top, the obvious one is is that um, I very much have some of the same literary heroes mm-hmm. as uh, as clear as Owen Wilson's character as Gil. I was about to say that doesn't surprise me because of mm. your you know reading background. You're yeah. very much. I think you see the world in comparison to books. Yeah, you compare real life to books, so that movie totally makes sense to me being high on your Again, list. I can't tell if you're making fun of me. I'm not. <laughs> Also, I totally have a huge crush and have for a very long time on uh, Marianne Cotillard. Yeah, she's just so it's just up there. <laughs> yeah, it's just oh, beautiful. Um, and you know, you got you got to respect some Canadiana here, and mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams playing like some just a lovely neurotic character, and and honestly, a little, almost kind of playing the Woody Allen role in a Woody Allen film. Yeah, that's true. And it is it is a unique. Uh, unique performance um i i just think that the film like we already talked about and i can't spend too long on it but say for example like when uh when owen first goes back and he he meets uh uh like ernest hemingway who's played amazingly by the way uh mm-hmm. by cory stoll uh who most people will either know from uh his go around in the ant-man film or um his role in the first season of uh, House of Cards, uh, fantastic, fantastic, L- and literally his vocal delivery is exactly mm. how I read Hemingway novels. Really? So it's it, it's it's like I was getting goosebumps when I saw. It. I was like, "This is fucking amazing," um, and and also maybe it, it means a lot more to me because I did get to see this one in the theaters, mm-hmm. uh, and it is exceptional. Tom Hiddleston is amazing as F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, just. Uh, Amazing cast uh, from top to bottom. 
the story is beautiful. I love the the balance. Like I already said, I'm just regurgitating the same stuff, but of the the fantastical and reality kind of blending, and and you have to find that that balancing point. And I I love that. And and then the the fact that he goes back to his own time and and kind of finds solace in living his own life because of the fact that he sees that everyone feels the same way that he does. Mm-hmm. And there's something in that. You know, I wonder if, say, for example, as a musician, if I was to go back and talk to a guy from, say, for example, like Deep Purple or something like that, if he'd be like, oh, man, like the 20s or the 40s, like mm-hmm. that was where it was at. I don't know. I might say the 20s or the 40s, that's where it was at. Yeah. You just like those dresses. Uh, like yeah, the that might be it. The hair. Yeah. yeah. See, for me, like, just put on a the suit. Jazz. I already do that now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the music is pretty solid. I'll I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty solid music. You can still pull that off nowadays, but it's just not the same. I mean, no, you've yeah, still got, I get some you know, dirty looks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you've still got, like, twerking and all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, numero dos. Okay. Um... Funny, actually, that you mentioned that it was the first that... What was the first movie you saw? That Annie Hall? Yeah. The one you saw, yeah. Right. Um, we should have probably included two subcategories, and that's the first movie you saw of Woody mm-hmm. Allen's, and then second, who played the Woody Allen character the best in a Woody Allen comedy or in a Woody Allen film, okay. right? That's kind of interesting. I mean, it would take a while to think about it, but yeah. they we'll all have it. We'll do it between segments. We'll there do you it go. between segments. All of his movies have the Woody Allen character, yep. so it's just who did it. Anyhow, so number two, and I'm not even going to look at you because you're going to roll your eyes. My number two is Deconstructing Harry. Okay. No, I'm, no? I'm actually, yeah. I'm not, I'm, that's okay. not that bad for me. Okay. I, I okay. respect that. Perfect. Not on my list, but I respect it. <laughs> and that's just one of the funniest movies I have ever watched. Just from beginning to end, every beat of that movie is hilarious. It's It's got a tragic feel to it. You know, there's the typical... Uh, Woody Allen storylines where people are, they can't help themselves and they just do things that society would scoff on. And it's, I think it's an amazing movie, but the key moment for me in that movie that always stands out is uh, Robin Williams's uh, part where he's soft. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, I mean, to this day, when anything's happening and someone says like they feel weird, I say, oh, maybe you're a little soft, right? So it's, it's, I just think it's hilarious how for a filmmaker to make fun of this, uh, the, I mean, the scenario is that someone is soft mm-hmm. and he expects the whole world to adapt to him by wearing glasses, yeah. right? As opposed to figuring out what's wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Just the whole thing is the whole psychoanalysis. I mean, it's classic Woody Allen. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, it is. And, and for the out of his out of his films in the 90s this one does rank pretty high for me especially that that late in the 90s like what is this 97 yeah it's a bit later so yeah he had kind of fallen off in terms of in terms of my favorite films uh i don't know i i i think definitely that's probably one of my favorites out of the 90s of his you know uh so i i I respect that. That one's okay? Yeah. I res- all right. You don't need my approval. <laughs> you don't need my approval at all. You I don't know. Have... You almost choked on your wine, so I wasn't sure. Well, <laughs> the, caring, caring about my well-being, I appreciate, but you don't need my approval. Okay. So, number two. my number two uh, is Take the Money and Run. 
Okay, yeah. And this was a very, very hard number two for me. I, I was bouncing this back and forth between this one and, and number one. Uh, this is the first one that he got pretty much full control over, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Am I yeah. right on that? Yep. Um, I know he was super upset after uh, What's New Pussycat, the kind of whole ended up mess goofy. that that ended up being. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, man. Or no. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is the next one. It's funny because it was so, it was so well-loved. I mm. mean. Oh, yeah. This it's... movie was received incredibly uh when it came out and okay so where do i even start with this (laughs) the scene that that like made it for me the first time i watched it and and i was i guess maybe because i guess i saw annie hall when i was 15 15 something like that and i think i saw this one the same year 15 16 somewhere around there and i didn't exactly get what i was watching i again mockumentary format and the Mm -hmm. first one that I can recall other than this is Spinal Tap that I really enjoyed. But um, the moment when he's in the fucking marching band yeah. and he's got the cello <laughs> and he's carrying the chair behind him and he keeps sitting it down and playing. Oh man, I had the exact same, like I can't keep it together. Yeah. It's just, it's so amazing. And <laughs> and what I love about this film is that it's a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> like it's, you <laughs> you get um you get a little bit of like a an action mm-hmm. thriller you get a little bit of like a uh, almost like an epic drama type thing you get the mm-hmm. comedy you get the documentary format it's it's this blending of all these genres and just it, to me the film very much represents something that you can um totally uh think is just gonna fail mm-hmm. like you look at if someone explained this film to you you'd be like wow that sounds like a fucking mess <laughs> but it's just perfect yeah. and i love it i love this the whole scene when he goes into the what uh when he goes into the the bank the first yeah. time <laughs> and he's got the note and <laughs> what they, does this say yeah and they're having trouble reading the note and you're he's gonna like, need a manager to sign this yeah <laughs> and then he goes over to him oh it's so good just perfect and when he's singing along with the guy in the prison, mm-hmm. and and then they give him a dirty look, and he stops. And <laughs> doesn't and his hammer comes off. I know that's really kind of slapstick, but when he mm-hmm. he pulls up the hammer and then he he pulls it down, and there's no end on it. <laughs> then there's just this guy like this, you know, been impaled or you know it's hit him in the head, and he's just mm-hmm. bleeding out. <laughs> and you're laughing hysterically, just like wow, I'm a terrible human being. Yeah, yeah. but that's so, okay. I love this film. I love it. It's. It's a very it's it goes back and forth between being my number one and number two. Mm, so you just yeah. caught me on a day where I guess it's number two. Number two. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. So let's take a little break. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're getting too excited here. Well, I'm. We're going for number one. We're going I'm for like... number one, right? So when we come back, what we're going to do? Because our number one also just happens to be for both of us the the one that we're we've selected for the the final part of this yes this little game we're playing. Yes. Okay, so uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, elect our both our number one film and our countdown of top ten Woody Allen films, and uh, we are also going to argue. We're going to have a little debate, a friendly debate, about why our film should be the film saved if all other Woody Allen films were to be Ooh. destroyed. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Sweet.
I just want to remind everyone to visit our website, moviesruinmylife.com. Send us your ideas. What do you want to hear on the show? What do you want to see on our site? Get in touch with us. Tell us what you think. Tell us off. Whatever. Moviesruinmylife.com. That's where you're going to find us. All right, so we're back, and uh, it's a moment of truth. And I, I lost the hypothetical coin toss between the <laughs> segments, so I'm going first. So my number one film, and the film that I would save in the event that all other Woody Allen films were going to be destroyed, uh, would be Broadway Danny Rose. That's I, a good choice. Sorry? That's a good choice. Yeah, it's, it's the best choice, in fact. Um, well, you've had a little more wine than me, so I, I, I totally understand your, uh, your, your, you know, misreading of the situation. Sure. Yeah, but I'm right. So that's okay. Um, let me take a sip here before we continue. As you're sipping, I'll say that I was right. You'll see why. Okay. Now, little secret, uh, between me and the entire internet, this was actually Danny's pick until this morning, uh, when he didn't show up, we hope he's okay and we hope he's well. And I will uh, reach out to him and uh, and if he's if he's well, which I hope he is, then I'll also berate him <laughs> verbally, of course. Um, okay, so first of all, this film is my favorite, favorite, favorite Mia Farrell performance. I love it. She's perfect. There's no one else that could play the role as good as she does. And it's so interesting because no one would think of her for a role like this. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a film much like we talked about uh, in the Kubrick episode. I'm selecting another black and white. seems to be a trend here. But um, where the, the characters and the settings are, again, so colorful that you do not realize you're watching a black and white film or at least you don't recall that it's a black and white film until you go back and you watch it oh shit it's black and white Mm -hmm. um i also love that there's a little bit of woody allen's managers in his character that's so great because i i love art imitating life Mm -hmm. Uh, all the the greatest artists of any genre any art form steal let's be honest, or borrow from uh, their experiences. You write what you know. And and it's done so beautifully. Just uh, the scene with uh, the balloon-making team, and mm-hmm. or like their, their husband and wife, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he's, we're, we're going to make you the largest, <laughs> the, the most popular balloon-making act in the world and all this shit. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I love the gangster element to it. I love crime films. I love mm-hmm. that coming into it. And I love the fact that this guy's mind just, um, goes all over the place. And it allows me to experience a film much in the same way as take the money and run where I'm watching one film, but I'm actually getting the same thing that I could get out of five or six films. And, th- and that's so important to me because yes, it's a comedy. Yes. It's a, um, you know, man down on his luck kind of story drama. It's uh, a gangster film or a crime film. It's uh, it's a little bit of a romance. I don't know, kind of, kind of, sort of, not really. But uh, there's all these different elements to it, and it just lends so much to your level of enjoyment. It, you never get bored because it, right when you get to the end of one part of the film, you just it just turns on you sharp 
90 degree turn and you go in another direction and you're having just as much fun as you were before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can go on and on. So I, <laughs> I, I don't want to keep doing this, but it, it's, it, yeah, I, great movie. It's, it's my favorite. It's the one I would say because I could, I could get the most hours of enjoyment out of it. And that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm okay. looking at it as I can watch it over and over again, regardless of mood. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It's not my number one, but okay. I could see that. All right. So what's your number one? So you actually mentioned my number one earlier. I, I can't remember which number. I think it was like number eight or nine. But so my number one is Manhattan. Mm. Yeah, and that was my that, number eight. Yeah. It's... Oh, no. Sorry. My number seven. Okay. So it's not too bad. But mm. so Manhattan, just the look of it, the feel of it, the music. I mean, and, and most of his movies, in a lot of his movies, it's the music and the way that it ties into the visuals that really uh, gets to me. But it's the uh, the fact that it's black and white and just the way that he sees Manhattan, the way that he sees New York, that's timeless. And it's like a snapshot in time. When he shot that movie, you just you're transported back to there. They're walking around. Uh, all the dialogue's amazing. And yet everything in the background's amazing. And that whole opening sequence, like even if you were just to save that, that would be enough. It's just... It's the Gershwin music Exactly, plan, yeah. Man. It's amazing. And I remember when I went to Manhattan, I swear, like that just kept playing in my head. And mm. I took so many photos. And my first instinct with most of them was to turn them into black and white, you know, put them in black and white because I realized that that influenced me so much that I saw it as a black and white city. Yeah. So it just has that classic feel to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Please continue. No, that's my number one. I talk for like five minutes before (laughs) we get into arguing. But that's my number one. And I mean, it's, maybe it's just because I see the world in the, through the photography eyes, right? I just, Everything is a snapshot to me, and I love music so much that it just brings it together. But to me, that's the number one. And mm. I honestly don't even know how I can argue that. It's just, I think it has to do with the way that you see the world. Mm. So I think your number one would just basically be the way that you see the world. So something that represents how you experience life. And that movie, to me, the way it was shot, the way it was edited, everything about it, just those big, huge shots, the widescreen, mm-hmm. it's the way I see the world, right? Because you have a wider perspective than I, most people? Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I see them by, I'm colorblind. No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, it's just that cinematography. <laughs> The cinematography kind of photography feel, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It I I felt good watching that movie. It, and I like I mentioned when I was in Manhattan, I took a lot of photos in black and white, and I printed a lot of those photos like really dark, you know, nighttime raininess, uh, and that's I saw it until until I actually went to Manhattan. Mm. I didn't appreciate it as much as I did after, Mm -hmm. because when I was there, it was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Right. It just, it has the pulse of that city. Absolutely. He, 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 but again, I, I can't get over the whole rose colored glasses thing. He's looking. And that's fine. Because for me as a tourist, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Going to New York is very much like that. I concur. And And I was never mugged. So. (laughs) No, no. And actually in all seriousness, people always complain about the price of parking. That was some of the cheapest parking every time I've been to New York in all seriousness that I, I, you can get 
You can park there cheaper than you can in Toronto. Best food I've ever had was in yep. Manhattan. It was it was cheap. It was everywhere. It was readily available. You could find absolutely anything. I mm. mean, I saw some things that I've never seen before. I got art at my finger. I had art at my fingertips. I mean, mm. you go for a walk for one day, and the art is right there. You can you can see it. You can touch it. You can feel it. Everything's right around you. It was one of the best places to be. Right on. That movie just kind of ties all of that in. Okay. Can I, can we, are we arguing now or? Do you want to argue now? Sure, let's go. All right. Okay. So one thing I do notice, (laughs) and I'm sorry, but is that all you're talking about is the, the cityscapes and those shots with the music and so (laughs) forth, because the story is good, but it's, uh, you know, to harp back to why I had it at number seven, it's like, it's, it's not his most approachable of stories. And, and, and I can't get over the fact that, for example... (laughs) Paula, <laughs> you are a photographer, and you are a yeah. wonderful photographer. I'm Thanks. one of your biggest fans, no doubt. Uh, particularly your pictures of bands. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not because in I'm black and white. No, totally. no, I'm kidding. Um, I I, to- I totally love a lot of a lot of your work, and and I totally see why your this appeals to you aesthetically. But. I just worry that you're kind of romanticizing this film a little bit. Like I'm an average smuck as far as that goes. Like my eye is not anywhere near as as good as yours, and and that kind of is what takes me over to say a film like Broadway, Danny Rose, mm-hmm. is the fact that the the aesthetic of the film is again beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's not the forefront factor in the film it's not just about those mm-hmm. things and and there is something more than just the soundtrack just the aesthetic like you have these really rich characters that uh, that 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 carry on into your life i i, I don't know like there, there's validity to your argument i agree it's probably one of the if not the most beautiful of his definitely his new york period for mm-hmm. sure um I'm just super fucking happy your first pick isn't like Vicky Cristina Barcelona <laughs> or something like that. So I feel kind of bad picking on Manhattan in all seriousness. <laughs> Although that's not a bad movie. Did you either. want me to? Did you want me to change, change yeah, my ch- options? Change do you want it, to change Magic the in the Moonlight? Oh, yeah, God. yeah, there you go. No, no, yeah. definitely. That's like what's the last? How many movies did he make? Because can we put that at the end? <laughs> yeah, but uh, he. Uh, well, apologies to John Turturro because he's. <laughs> He's one of my favorites, so. It was just a weak movie. Yeah. But yeah. See, but that's the thing, though. I'm visual. Yes. Right? And yes, I appreciate storyline, and storyline is great. But I need something to look at and something to listen to. I don't, that's what speaks to me more Mm. than the actual storylines. So So you'd be content just simply watching a movie that's like a slideshow with fucking (laughs) music playing in the background. Well, it depends what movie. It's like a PowerPoint yeah. presentation. Yeah, yeah you no, know, that sounds pretty boring, actually. But yeah, basically, let's be thankful you're not on the Academy <laughs> every, every year. It's like Dave's Office presentation, <laughs> nominated for Best Picture, um, budget 2016. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's what we should do. Hey, here you go. Infiltrate the uh, the academy <laughs> from the inside. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I I love the movie. It's really hard to pick it apart. Feel free to to pick apart Broadway if you want. Like I, it's if it, it's um, God damn it, it's beautiful. It's, you know, it, it really is. is. It's it is, and I can't disagree. But that's the problem, though. See, the thing is, I think that 
Luckily, thankfully, we are not actually burning all of his catalog and saving one mm-hmm. because it's such a personal choice, right? Yeah. So many of his movies just speak to different aspects of of people and humanities. So you can love or hate a movie. Like you can really love or absolutely hate one of his movies oh, because yeah. you see yourself Any given in one. it. It could right? be two different, like two different people, well, that's completely the thing, different right? perspectives. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't like people because we see things that we don't like about ourselves in yeah, them, I don't like right? <laughs> yeah, no, people suck. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean though, right? Usually when you don't like someone, it's because you see something in them that reminds you of something you don't like about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of his movies could pull that from people. So yeah. it's like, I hate this movie because that could so be me, And but you don't want to admit it, right? So I think it really okay. depends on what movie it is. And with a movie for me, like Manhattan, that just really pulls together what I like to see the world as. I don't want to see, um, you know, I don't want to see the sad stuff. I don't want to see the misery. I want to see the romanticized city and everyone's happy. And there's, you know, there's no pain, like just, well, there is a lot of pain. Well, yes, no, but I mean, just the visual aspect of it, right. Mm -hmm. There's the city, the music, and that's what speaks to me in that movie, which is why I wouldn't put Annie Hall higher because as beautiful as it is and as good a story as it is, it was, no, I know. I'm just saying in general, (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying in general. yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put it higher than I had put it. I put it at, I think, number six. Yeah. I wouldn't put it higher because it's it leaves you a little sad. And for mm-hmm. me, I like things that leave me feeling happy. Yeah. So I, don't know, I like candy. What can I say? It's interesting, though, your perspective on the film. If you if you take a look at, say, for example, like <laughs> I dislike this film and, and then you look at the male characters in the film. Mm-hmm. And they're all fucking shitty. Yeah, like, absolutely. All terrible people. It speaks to real life. Yeah, <laughs> I concur. I don't like men. It, it's true, though, right? I mean, it really is like that, and it's a very realistic movie. But it has the kind of like the buffer of the beautiful scenery and the music to go along with it. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the women. Yeah, and they're all fantastic. Yeah, they always are. The characters. They're yeah. all a little crazy yeah they're all a little flaky and absolutely yeah so i and and like we talked about before i I end up finding myself relating to the women Mm -hmm. in his films so much more and it's just no exception to that rule yeah broadway danny rose is still you're not gonna sway me i can't i can't it's um it's perfect it's it's a very good movie and honestly I, I just, I can't. It's a beautiful movie. It's just really well put together. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of different, as- different aspects to it. But it's, I, I personally believe that it's whatever speaks to you makes something your number one. And yeah, I, I, I can't debate it. No, you're, I understand. Uh, I just want to point out how good our picks were in okay. all seriousness or how, yeah. how much we're for once in line with, with someone. Rotten Tomatoes has, uh, where are we here? <laughs> um, Manhattan at 98%. Oh, wow. Yeah. What about Deconstructing Harry? Isn't it like 35? Yeah, 12%. 12%? No, no it's, it's pretty good, actually. Um, and oh, uh, Broadway Danny Rose, 100%. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So. I could see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we're... we're well, but Both what about To Rome with strong, Love, though? Strong <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Rome with Love. Uh, <laughs> where are we here? Where the hell is it? It should be here, right? There it is. Oh, a 44%. I like Oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds good. You know, honestly, I think it's whatever speaks to you. And that movie was hilarious. Yeah. That was funny. 
Now, before we wrap it up, how do you feel about uh, Woody's uh, Amazon live stream deal <laughs> and him kind of being this? This is both the first film yeah. that's going to come out through Amazon and also uh, the first. Uh, he's going to do a TV series with them, mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting because uh, obviously he's he still uh, premiered his movie at, at Cannes or Con. 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 Can. Yeah. Cans. As he always does. Uh, but uh, Amazon has, has has the distribution rights. And, of course, they're mm-hmm. they're allowing exhibitors to have it in theaters. What is it, 30 days before they're going to go direct to uh, uh I don't know, but I want to I wanna see it. Yeah. I want to watch it. I think it's really cool that he's uh, doing something new. Uh, yeah. Like, different. I mean, obviously, he's always doing something. Sorry. Oh, but, totally. I mean... This is totally different. He's working with Amazon now. Wasn't Miley Cyrus involved with that? I mean, bring it back to the twerk. I don't know. I heard that she was involved. But, yeah, it's, you know, he's he's with the times. But, I mean, how old is he now? I think he's 86. Wow, it's amazing. Or in his 70s? No, he's older than that. Yeah. He looked pretty old the last time I saw him. <laughs> we were we were hanging out, you know. Yeah. We were, yeah. No, I mean on TV, but yeah. yeah, I think it's really great. I think it's really cool. I mean, television, movies, film, everything is changing. We don't watch things the way we used to, yeah. so like, why not adapt, right? Yeah, and that's something you, you hit it on the head there for me because, say for example, sorry. Uh, say for example, you, you don't look have to at, kick me just because yeah. we don't agree on number one. <laughs> say for example, you take um, what a lot of critics say about uh, *Beast of No Nation* that came out on Netflix, and they mm-hmm. say that because exhibitors were kind of snuffed by the fact that it came right to Netflix first, mm-hmm. um, that's why, say for example, Idris Elba didn't get an Oscar nom or these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help but think that Woody doesn't care. Oh, he doesn't care. He, I think he's been to like what one Oscar show. I mean, I don't yeah. think he's has he even been to the Oscars. Yeah, the he year doesn't that care he about the awards. He just wants to work. Well, and it's he's funny like clockwork. We watch the same. Uh, I know we both watch the same documentary where he talks about he just didn't think that having someone think his movie was their favorite meant anything as far as winning. Mm-hmm. It's not like track and field, like you're the fastest you yeah, won. Yeah, it's I like someone's opinion, you know, it's a complete different thing. It's not like you've earned it. Right. And I don't think he's ever done it for that. He does it for himself. Mm-hmm. He wants to put his ideas on paper. He wants to see them on film. He doesn't care what they make, what they gross, what they do. As long as it makes a dollar, he thinks it's successful. So yeah, as long as he gets to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I think, and, and that there in in and of itself is is exactly what what I think about this Amazon deal is that he he always has been a pioneer in terms of not so much the aesthetic, not so much the um, the art of film, but the art of of. Uh, conveying the human condition or conveying uh, that better put uh conveying the overarching kind of heartbeat of society mm-hmm. and as people migrate to say for example streaming services say mm-hmm. and 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 uh aren't as 
actively going to theaters, which is heartbreaking because I love theaters the same way as I love drive-ins. And every time I go to the drive-in, it's always packed. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, mind you, we're in Canada, so you only get to enjoy it six <laughs> months out of the year. But uh, And a couple of those months are still pretty cold. Still pretty cold. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting that he he's totally willing to adapt, mm-hmm. which is something that his critics would never uh, pat him on the back for. But he totally is, and it's 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 really it's it's interesting because when you have the buy-in from a guy like that, mm-hmm. I think it means all that much more. Absolutely, it yeah. it almost lends a level of validity mm-hmm. to to say, for example, in this case, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Sponsored so cool. by Amazon yeah. Prime. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Amazon Prime. Do we get free Amazon Prime now? <laughs> no, you you get the uh, promotional price of ninety nine ninety nine a year. Uh, <laughs> promotional, you get one free is, order. Yeah, which is the regular price. One free month. <laughs> I think that's the regular price in America. See, that's the thing. We don't have the streaming service no. up here. We only no. have when you get Amazon Amazon Prime in Canada. You, get you only really get really good shipping. shipping. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I know. I signed up. I was like, that's it. Aww. Yeah, but soon enough. Soon enough, they'll they'll get their they'll get their claws in yeah. the Canadian market. They they got. I know do it's hard because Canada is just like way out there in the boonies. I mean, no one's heard of Canada, so for us to have you know, <laughs> the same technology. Hey, just we're in little New York with trees right now. <laughs> you know, as Danny would say, tiny New York with trees. That's true. Toronto. I can see that. Yeah. it looks like that. Yeah. Well, I had a great time. Yeah, me too. That was fun. Yeah, it's really fun to research for this episode. Absolutely. Hey, it's Woody Allen. You have to. <laughs> you have to, yeah. yeah. Um, we weren't going to play jazz in the background, but hey. Okay, so... Re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm warming up for it. Perfect, perfect. Getting ready. <laughs> Remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. We want to continue it on with you. And we really do. This is an interesting guy because I, no matter what we did with this episode, we wouldn't be doing him justice. And it... We thought it would be fun to do a, a little ranking. So what film would you save if you were to save one Woody, fa- Woody Allen film as the rest are being destroyed for some reason? I don't know. <laughs> Why? What did he do? <laughs> I don't know. Mia Farrow got her way. No. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Probably cutting that one. <laughs> In any case. Yeah. Let, let us know this week. Um, I'm at not Brandon Fleet on Twitter. Paula, you want to offer up your Twitter? At Paula Capellafi. So it's like Capella and photography together? Yes. You might need to spell that one. At P-A-U-L-A-C-A-P-E-L-L-A-P-H-Y. Capellafi. Go ahead and tweet me. Perfect. Now, uh, you can also follow us at Mermal Podcast, at M-R-M-L Podcast. And uh, if you are... Having trouble spelling Paula Capellafi, <laughs> then go to our lists and you'll find one that says Mermal Panelists and you can subscribe to that list and follow all of our uh, tweets and weird nonsense that we throw out into the uh, Twitterverse. I hate that term. Twitterverse. <laughs> the Twitterverse. Into the interweb. Yes. Ye old interweb. Mm-hmm. Ye old. <laughs> Ye old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I brought wine. Yes. It's funny. Perfect. This shows all the all the better now. There you go. All right. Um, 
so if you're watching us or watching a segment on YouTube, uh, remember to subscribe to our uh, podcast, which you can listen to on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. Uh, we're on pretty much every podcatcher you can think of. And if we're not there, send us a Twitter message at Mermal Podcast or an email at show at moviesroommylife.com and uh, we'll rectify that immediately for you. Um, if you are listening to the podcast, thank you. And uh, you can check us out on Twitter. We're uh, always updating and adding new content there. So uh, there'll be some video from this episode if there isn't already. And uh, also upcoming episodes. We always try and release stuff a little bit early so you can get a few uh, tidbits from the show upcoming. And uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing what people's choice would be. What their one film that they had to save out of the Woody Allen catalog, catalog is. So... It's going to be a fun week getting yelled at by you guys, so I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for the messages. Any final thoughts, Paula? Thanks for hanging out with us. Here. Yeah, there you go. What the hell, kiddo? It's like, what happened? All right.